Kiwi Yarns with Brody Kane. Kia ora and welcome to this episode of Kiwi Yarns. Today's guest is a brilliantly talented gem of the New Zealand fashion industry, the wonderful Tanya Carlson, a stalwart in the highly competitive and often relentless industry. She is a fun, friendly and approachable designer and is always keen on helping younger talents and parts of the industry grow, which I think is just awesome. Thank you for coming on Kiwi Yarns Tarns. Oh, God, that rhymes. Too shy, too shy. I, I thought Hi. about that. Thank you so much. Hey, look, I mean, obviously at the time that we're recording this, um, you're currently in Level 3 lockdown in Auckland here in New Zealand. Um, how have you found, personally, lockdown 2.0? Well, the first one was fantastic because I just ran around and surfed until the police told me that I couldn't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> one fine Sunday morning at Piha. Um so, but this one has, has been good because we are actually all still kind of working. So we've started wholesaling a game, which means we're going to distribute to other stores throughout New Zealand. So we're sort of socially isolated within the workroom, but all the factories and everything here are still working. So it's kind of it's kind of good. You can drive around Auckland. There's no traffic jams. Yeah. Are there? Are there I mean, obviously you, you you say surfing. So is is something like surfing something that you do? to sort of work through or essentially escape the madness that is 2020? Yeah, I started doing it about 15, 15 years ago, and it is my go-to. I'm not very good, but there's something about clearing your head when you're sitting out there in the water and um, just the calmness and being with one in that way. I can't believe I'm actually going to say that, with one with nature, which is what my dad always said. It's the only thing in life to achieve, which is um, pretty spiritual. But it definitely does give me time to decompress and kind of just chill. That's so cool. I think it's, and, and there needs to be more chilling, quite frankly, in this world. Um, how would you say, though, that this year your business has been affected? Well, this time, well, last year, I decided to take a big change in the business. And after 10 years of not wholesaling, um, we, we had just had basically the store in Auckland and working online and our team was really small, that we would go back out and start um, start selling throughout New Zealand. There was a lot of customers that we were finding hard to convert to online. Uh, a lot of people still want to touch, put on and have curated collection sold to them as, as such. So uh, we decided to do that. So it was a bit like getting back on the treadmill. I felt like a mouse going <laughs> round and round because I was designing this season and next season and another season and so sort of like all four seasons <laughs> oh god that sounds like a song doesn't it uh, there um, is one in that <laughs> <laughs> and then i had some friends getting married and i was doing weddings and i didn't have a sample machinist and was all just like made four days off at christmas came back up to auckland and basically got it all done and on the 8th of um March on the Sunday, I'd finished everything and the store was full of new clothes. Everything was, and I lay back down on the sun lounge and thought, oh, pat myself on the back. That was a, that was a big year of work, six days a week. And then smack COVID. What has that been like in the, in the fashion industry? I mean, the interesting thing is, I don't think anyone stopped wanting to have beautiful clothes, but I mean, obviously it still would have had a huge effect well, first of all, people wanted to send collections back. Um, 
you know, we were about to sell into Ballantines in Christchurch and lots of other little stores that was sort of going off with a, a rush, you know, because the agent was out selling. And so that all just stopped and you went, oh, no. It was pretty quiet over over lockdown, but then we just had these incredible customers that just came out of out of the woodwork. Well, actually, mostly they came from the hospital. So we <laughs> opened the doors and people just came streaming in and, and bought really, really well for the first few weeks, which was fantastic and supportive and, you know, full of araha. It was, it was all good. But I think that this time around, people have tightened up their, their belts, so to speak, and are a little bit nervous. And it's also changing the way that I'm designing. So I'm, about, I'm in the process of designing next winter. So, you know, three weeks ago, I was thinking about special events and what people would wear if they were going to award shows and thinking that life would, you know, go back to normal. Um, and clearly that's kind of put a stop to <laughs> those ideas that I've had. How do you think about next year for fashion? I mean, I just couldn't get my head around that. How do you do it? <laughs> When I was younger, it was always I was I would be extremely stressed around the process. Um, now, I understand the panic is part of the creativity. So, leading up to the kind of countdown of getting getting my A into G and get, getting going, I look at I look at movies. I read. I look. It's, it's so hard to kind of explain. It's a melting pot and you have to just kind of keep putting the ingredients in and wait. And it does happen. It's, it's uh, anything can spark, whether it's like, this sounds crazy, like sitting on a surfboard and looking out at certain colours in the sky that then there might be a movie or I might pick up an old Vanity Fair like I did the other day. I just, there's lots and lots of bits. And then, of course, I'm constantly looking at overseas trends and seeing what the kids are wearing and Instagram and watching um, internationally what's what's happening. Are there words <laughs> that you would use to describe you, the style of your designs, the style of your clothes? Yeah, I, I think it's around longevity and um, cherishing something. Um, clothing being favourites and I don't love the word classic but there's times that I think it's appropriate you know I revisit lots of um, garments that I've done before and I work on the silhouettes and I take advice from customers that uh, that's something I've really started doing is talking to I've been going down to the store on a Saturday and really talking to women um, about what it is that they're prepared to spend three four five six seven hundred dollars on what what really they will they feel is an investment is there a reason why you've only just started doing that um when 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 um when we were, were wholesaling you know we had much much bigger business it was you know we were selling into david jones i'd be doing a hundred pieces of clothing a season ranging from 200 price point from 200 to 1200 dollars um, you know, uh, selling $600,000 worth of product to them at, at, at wholesale, which is, you know, a lot. So in that, in that case, the designing was very much driven by the price point, by the Australian customer, um, the demands around the department store, the feedback that came through the, the department stores um, 
buyers. Yeah. So I think in some ways, even though I had my own retail, um, I was a little bit removed from it. Mm. Um, and it was much more around new, new, new. You know, you had to have like what was the great look, what was the the wow, the takeaway for the season, you know, what what was the Carlson woman wearing or girl. And so I think that's just different now. I think people have got a mu- I mean, it's still that excitement's there, but the I think you're wanting to buy something that absolutely suits your body shape, your personality, that's uh, that's kind of sparks your interest, but you also want to be wearing it in six years' time. Mm. On that, do you think that in a way as well, as women are becoming more comfortable with our bodies and knowing that we are, you know, still learning, and it's not every day, but learning that we don't have to all look the same and that we don't have to buy into a particular trend because it looks great on a size six model. Or do you have, have you seen anything sort of change to that where people are going, well, I'm not going to bloody wear that because it looks ridiculous because I've got big shoulders. Is there a shift in the way women are thinking about clothes, do you reckon? Oh, God, I've been banging those drums for the, my entire <laughs> career. Yeah. Because it, because really it's about, I mean, you know, I I'd went to art school before I did fashion design and, you know, did a lot around sculpture and drawing and life drawing. And bodies are all so different. So the idea that we kind of push them into certain shapes that everyone can, can wear, I mean, I think it's brilliant the way that, um, the kind of embracing of figures is so much better in this. I mean, it's still there, skinny, skinny, skinny. It's still, is for some people, a goal. But then some people are naturally, you know, tall and slim as, as well. Um, yeah, shape. It's like you, you should just wear what suits your body. If you've got a little waist, you know, and broad shoulders, wearing something that's wasted, you know, like sort of a 1940s shape is going to look fantastic. Mm. I hear you. I absolutely hear. For instance, one of the crazes at the moment that's, um, I mean, I, I dare say it will, I, well, I hope it sort of buggers off, is crop tops. I mean, Jesus Christ. No, thank you. I do not want one of those. <laughs> for the long, willowy wasted. Mm. Bless them. Good for them. Um, or not. Just letting it all hang out is also okay. That's You're absolutely right. Absolutely right. Someone did say to me once, so the crop top thing is designed to meet up with the high-waisted pant. And I'm like, that's all very well and good so long as there's no skin showing. <laughs> anyway, that's showing my age as well. Um, now... Obviously, you have been involved in the New Zealand fashion industry. Um, well, the label Carlson was was born in mm. 1997. But you, when you were a teenager, you pretty much knew that that's what you wanted to do, right? Yeah, always. And so, what was always. that? What was it about? Was it living in Dunedin? I mean, Dunedin just seems to breed amazing does, fashion designers. It? So, was it something to do with that, or was it in your family, or? No, it wasn't in my family, but I grew up, and I've, you know, I've talked about this a lot about out on the uh, Targo Peninsula, and um, I remember watching that film with Martin Phillips, and he talked about it too, that kind of wildness of right out, out there. Um, it had a child just filled with imagination, um, didn't have a television, had kind of quite strict hippie parents, if, if, that's, <laughs> a, if that's a word. But, um, yeah, I think... That the thing around clothing and dressing up and playing with fabrics and making things was just inherently part of of part of what I always did. You know, I I would come home from school, do my chores, and I would put on, you know, a, a, a satin 
bottom of a satin ball dress with a little 50s jacket and stomp around the house with my gumboots on doing <clears throat> feeding various animals. Wow. Oh, that's until I got my Abba t-shirt, I should say. Oh, yes. Then. I love it. That's so cool. <laughs> you know, I, 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 my, I made my mother, strange little child I was, why am I here? And, let, and she let me go to school with my hair sticking out in plaques either side of my head. I mean, that wasn't for any particular reason. Talk about drawing attention to yourself. <laughs> and the teachers, how was that? How did they react? Oh, who knows? I, you know, I, I don't know. It's a funny, a funny child. Yeah. Oh, that's so cute. Now, would you say then, because I, you know, what for what I've seen in various things, like obviously the wonderful ID fashion week that's held, and that's you know a lot of the focus there is around young designers. How hard is it? I mean, it, it, to me, I mean, I, any job that you're starting out in is hard, but it does strike me that starting out as a young fashion designer must be incredibly hard. There's two ways of, of looking at it. When I first started out, we, you know, we were all in Dunedin. It was extremely inexpensive to to start a business. There were brilliantly talented women that were, had kind of left the trade, so they were able to come on and teach a lot of us kind of the skills that necessarily we hadn't got through fashion design school, you know. Um, <clears throat> so that part of it was was quite uh, easy. And the, as, as I've said lots of times, it was the heyday of Made in New Zealand and really, really looking at uh, other New Zealand labels and kind of particularly Zambezi and Nom D and, you know, those, those kind of people were prepared and it was not cult-like, but I mean, you know what I'm talking talking about. And then it really changed. And I think now it's 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 kind of probably in some ways easier for a young person to start a brand. Um, you don't need bricks and mortar shop. You you know if you've done a, if you've got a great idea and you can get it on the internet and you get some traction around Instagram, get some followers. It, you can watch it just take off, which is which is fantastic for them. And also selling over overseas. I think it's a bit scary when you're about to, to lose, you know, your parents' hard-earned money. And because the banks are not going, they, I mean, there's no such thing as banks backing yeah, fashion yeah. designers. Yeah, so that's <laughs> the rate of failure is so high. The burnout is so high. Yeah. Well, and on that saying that it's obviously very different now, and and with the as you say the internet and Instagram and anyone in any kind of realm is if you just crack it, you could be an overnight bloody star. Yeah. On the same token of that, and saying you don't need bricks and mortar, and that, do you feel as a designer and where you are with your business that it's important? with how things move along and change to adapt to that, to, to move along with it or or risk getting oh. left behind? Like, how do you feel about that? You do have to change. You have to just be able to let go. You know, if, if, if I hadn't been able to walk away from Dunedin with 15 staff and, you know, the kind of contracts that we had in Australia and, the, you know, stores here, there and everywhere, um, you know, I, I've been well documented that I, I said, you know, I had some extremely good advice in 2007 where um, from accountants and a few other people who basically said, you need to shut, you need something really huge is going to happen. You need to pull it pull it down as fast as you can. And, and I did, and I moved it to Auckland and came up here and kind of hunkered down, and that's what pretty much we've done. Um, and that was a big change 
for me. Um, but it was also really good because it's a, a really small team of, and it's sort of introduced me back to customers that I probably had been a little bit removed from. Um, yeah, I've really, I've really enjoyed the process. And and if 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 I have to give up a, uh, an actual store on Ponsonby Road, then so be it. I mean, rents are incredibly expensive, mm. um, and there might be some other kind of thing that I go and do. I mean, at the moment, I've been thinking around what it would look like to go into a shared space and maybe go back to having a big workroom that people could come and actually look at. Because I find that, I mean, you've been to my workroom, mm-hmm. when people come in, they're really taken back and sort of looking around and, and excited by that, that kind of really authentic um, creativity and production. Absolutely. I think it's so interesting, isn't it, as well, because as you said earlier, you've almost done like full circle. Um, and I, it's obviously... I think it's really refreshing to, to listen to someone who's like, right, well, I've, if we're not going along, we'll just, we'll, be, we'll fall back. And making some of those decisions, are they hard and sometimes do they feel like they're a risk? It takes, I, I'm, I, I spend a lot of time thinking about stuff and then just getting used to how I think it, it, it will look and how it will sound. Um, and I tend to probably start talking about it a lot before I, before I do it. I, I have... I mean, I'm saying I've got no ego, but I'm just like, I just let stuff go. There's no point. You can't take it with you. It's like, I, I never sweat the small stuff as, as much, you know. I mean, I'm good at making big decisions and taking my team with me. But, um, yeah, you can't take it with you. Well, exactly. <laughs> Can I ask a question? Because I've alluded to this a little bit earlier as well in terms of you being, well, in the intro really, a, a fun and very approachable designer. Um, and I don't want to say this... Well, I am going to say it. I don't want it to cause offence to anyone out there, but there is definitely an element of the fashion industry that I think the general public sometimes can be intimidated by that sort of high-end or sort of hoity-toity kind of impression of some. I mean, is is it real? You know, is there some of that? I I think it is real. I think that there are... As time goes on and you get more successful, then you probably become a bit more contained. You're very aware of your brand and how you look in public and how you um, are with 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 the public. Um, and so you're probably cultivating the kind of aspirational person that you you want to be. And I, I mean, I definitely I've definitely seen it over the years. I've been around a long time. I've seen young designers grow up and become extremely full of themselves <laughs> uh, you've also got to watch because yeah, as they say I think it was I can't remember who, who said it to me but you know it's, it's on the way back down it's who you see so I mean I I'm a very approachable person and and, and kind of what you see is is what you get and people always use words oh she's so down to earth and she's it almost as sort of takes away from whatever talent <laughs> talent I've got no not really but that is a, a thing I feel that lots of um, people expect designers to be a little bit more cool and um, not have grubby fingernails like mine are at the moment from being in the garden. <laughs> wow. I mean, if you were working on something beautifully silk, you probably would want to sort that out, wouldn't you? Um, now, when you get a, a, a high-profile person um, that comes to you and wants a dress made, and you, what? 
how, how describe that relationship? I mean, you've made, you know, like the wonderful Kerry Woodham's wedding dress and Samantha Hayes and Lisa Carrington. And is, yeah. is there an added pressure or is that something that's like a nice extra to do? Um, normally they'd come via friends, you know, so there's sort of a common thread. Um, and it's, it's, a real, you know, it's a privilege, isn't it, to, to to get to meet people, a bit of, you know, New Zealand celebrity and, and people that are at the top of their game. Um, mostly people are just fantastic to work with and, and, you know, just not prima donnas at all, you know, it really is. And so when you're designing something with them, do they come to, do people come to you and go, I want it to look like this or uh, do you work with something of their ideas or is it more of a collaborative approach? Well, often I'm often I'm working with their stylist as well. Right. So a stylist will come on board with them and talk about the event and what they want. They might have a few storyboards along the way. Um, as the relationship progresses, then no, I just kind of can go, right, I think we should do this or I've found this piece of fabric and you'll look amazing and what do you think? And, yeah, it, it, but initially, yes, it tends to be quite a... Um, a, a collab as, as such um, until I get kind of to know the person better. What is have you got in, uh, a most favourite piece of clothing that you've ever made? A piece that just, you just go oh that was outstanding. But it, yeah, I've got, a, I've got a few pieces. I'm, um, I made uh, one of the women that worked for me, Sarah Sarah Faulkner uh, wedding dress and Sarah Faulkner wedding dress and it was I had this this lady that worked for me called Margaret and it was just all this tears and tears of Chantilly lace that had been sort of washed and kind of slightly dyed and it was all backed onto chill and then machine embroidered onto like like gossamer. It was it was so difficult and so beautiful that even now I sometimes look at it and think how did we make that? You know, it was the most glorious, glorious dress. I, I think it's in the book, one of the the book that Tapapa did of, um, you know, we had to pick out favourite pieces and that was one of mine. That, oh, I mean, I can't even imagine. I, I have to be honest with you, Tans, I, I, don't, I don't think I've even ever sewed a button up. Like, <laughs> true, true story, I, I'll let you in on a little secret. Um, when I was in the army back in the day, in the territorials, I split my pants and I had to get my my sort of right hand, per, my team buddy, to sew them for me. A dude. So that's just to give you an idea. This is, you know, that's where I'm at. So uh, m- imagining making a wedding dress, you must be an incredibly patient person. <laughs> well, no, I, don't, I can't sew to save myself. I'm like... Oh, know, seriously? <laughs> what? No. I can't, I'm the worst. I oh. can't even thread a machine up. Oh, okay, okay. So, so my, so, so I see it in my mind's eye. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I, I can do some sort of you know hand sewing and things, but you would, and I can't put a zip in. I mean, I probably did at design school, but yeah, no. Was that dumb of me to assume that? No, okay. no, not at all. Lots oh. of lots of designers are beautiful, you know, beautiful seam sewers, seamstresses, construction. Yeah, yeah just, construction just was never my thing. Not very good at good at it at all. Well, look, you don't have to be good at everything, do you? No. It's just like you know. Oh, that's no. That. I'm, I'm I'm good at draping. I'm really good at putting something on a mannequin and just being able to move the fabric around to pin it. And oh, I love that. I I just 
honestly. That's I look, see. This is why I'm learning. I, I as much as I love clothes, I've got no no bloody idea. Um, now, what would you say your personal style is? <laughs> oh, no, I only wear my clothes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a wetsuit. Um, uh, someone once described me as grungy lady, which I think's about right. <laughs> grungy lady. Okay, that, that's sort of nineties kind of. Well, I suppose it's a little bit kind. Of, yeah, I mean, quite a lot of sportswear though. I would, I would wear. Um, I mean, lots of people say, "Oh, romantic," but I, I don't really, I don't see that so much. Um, yeah. Grungy lady will go. Grungy with. lady, grungy lady. I love it. Do you wear lots of color, or are you more like a black chick? No, I've got I've got really into color over the last couple of years. I mean, you know, I was in the nineties. I probably went through the entire entire years dressed completely in black. But no, not I. I think we all did. Um, now you've got ten minutes to get changed and get out the door for some mm. drinks with girlfriends. What's your go to throw on? Uh, I've got a little silk dress um, called the Paris dress, which I, uh, from a couple of seasons ago, and I'd probably put that on with a pair of Reebok trainers or I've got a really great little pair of Chloe sandals or a pair of uh, 70s boots. So, uh, yeah, that's my all, all-time all kind of all-round dress that I, like, literally can just throw on at any time. Yeah. And Get out there. And is, yeah. it, is it one of those ones, is, does that piece double as no matter if you're having a fat day, shit day, awful yeah. day, that that's yeah. the one thing? Yeah. Well, it's called, it's, so it's, it's a dress that's got a swishy little frill on the bottom and sort of balloon, um, bishop sleeves, high neck, and it's a tunic shape. So it just, yeah, it's great. It's one of our best sellers. Oh, there you go. Um, Easy. Now, on that as well, what should... What what particular piece or what should everybody have in their wardrobe? I think you can't go past a beautifully tailored jacket. You know, well, haven't you got one from me? I've got a, I've got my power pantsuit, my, my power suit, absolutely. You know, a great a great jacket. I think is is if you were going to spend the money that could wear over an evening dress. You know, something that looked quite mannish, um, with even a tuxedo <clears throat> lapel. Um, yeah, quite classic French. That would be what my 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 takeaway would be. Perfect, I love it. Um, now, obviously, you love to surf. Uh, is there, uh, yeah? What apart from surfing? What are you doing when you're not working? Or is it kind of work is life is work? Or do no, you well, find a balance? Life, life is life is work, and work is life. And yeah, every day that I go to work is a good day. So I don't really differentiate that much around. Because um, my work's so much fun, and um, often I'm working while I'm at home, but not in not in a kind of sit down drawing pictures. But you know, whether whether I'm looking at looking at books or movies or whatever. I mean, it's all just kind of the same. I'm really I'm really lucky. I love gardening. I'm a um, prolific gardener. Right. How did you How did you get into that? I've always gardened. I just um, I come from a long family of my um, great grandfather was a nurseryman in England, and then my grandfather was a fantastic gardener, and so is my mum. So there you go. That's on that side of the family. Yeah. Jeez. Okay. I might need to get some I'm tips a, from you. I'm a veggie grower up here, but I used to grow a lot of um, flowers when I lived in Dunedin. Crazy on growing roses. I don't know what I was doing in my twenties. It was like seriously. <laughs> 
I love that though. And you're also um, a really talented artist as well. No, I haven't painted for a long time, and that's something I probably might try and get back into. I mean, yeah, I went to I went to um, art school when I was out of out of um, high school. Went and did fine arts in Australia, and then did fashion design. Yeah, see, well, you get that. give yourself a little um, little goal or little project. Um, <laughs> now, when you look ahead at Carlson, what do you see? I really see a continuation of, of what I'm doing now. I don't think that I'm kind of at this point building a huge brand international. I don't have the appetite for it anymore. I'm quite happy to just have incredibly loyal customers. And um, luckily, we've really, in the last couple of years, introduced a much younger customer, which is brilliant. Um, so, it, and that's always the goal is to keep people coming into into your brand. I'm just like I'm pretty. That's not, that doesn't sound very amb- oh. ambitious, but look, looking at how the world is and, and what, where and how and what's happening, then I'm kind of really content with with what's going on at, at the moment. Mm. You know, making making a bit more money would always be great, but you know, as I said, easy come, easy go. It's not it's not the motivator, and oh, I that- think that that's something you need to understand about all of us in the industry that money isn't the motivator, and even though it seems like you know, you've got this extremely glamorous life. And sometimes we do have extremely glamorous, you know, we're privy to, to all sorts of glamorous things. Um, it's it's not the, the be all and end all. Well, that side of things is still also exhausting. Exhausting. Now, we'll do your um, we'll do your quick Kiwi Yarns quick fire questions. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I've, I actually did jot something down. Oh, good, good. So your first question is, what do you bring to a summer barbecue? Um, I always make chicken lab. Oh, do you? Yeah. That's your signature dish. Yeah, that's my signature dish. It's a good one, you see. Yeah, and, and that's quite a different one. And put it with the rice, the, the um, lettuce, lettuce cup. Yes, okay. That's one from right out there, but I love a lab, so good from yeah. you. Um, Lots of ginger and lemongrass. And, oh, yum. Yep. Oh, yum. yeah, I'm here for that. I'll be and there. it's a hit. People like it. Well, it's quite, it's, it's quite like, it's beautiful Thai dish, but it's, out the gate, out the box, isn't it? Like you wouldn't expect yeah. it. Yeah, but it's a, it's always a always a success. Oh, love it! I love it. Okay. Um, and your second question is: the five mm-hmm. Kiwi people that you're inviting to the barbecue with the delicious lab. Right. So I did. I thought about this. So what I think is, I'd invite all the girl singers. So recently, um, Julia Dean did the most fantastic little. Uh, performance at Long Room next to us and um, so Holly Smith was there and Anna Coddington and Anika Moa and they all got up and sung and it was wow. it was like all my girls and it yeah. was amazing so I would invite all of them I could cook and they could just bring their, their guitars and play music and some of my dresses yep. <laughs> and then we'd invite Prince that is fantastic that, Even though he's dead and not a Kiwi. And not a Kiwi, but, I, but the rules are your own, so that's, I think that's at, at a great addition. Yeah, they're wonderful women. They're wonderful women you've chosen. <laughs> and so. they're so much fun. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, very much. I can attest to that. Um, and well, then on that, what's your um, favourite Kiwi artist or song? Mm, I don't know. I mean, I love Julia Julia's um, Clandestine, which is a beautiful song, and Holly's Water or Gold, but... I'm going to go for Down and Splendor, Shane Carter, straight jacket fits. Well, because I'm a Dunedin girl, you know. Yeah. 
Well, you got you. Dunedinites are very. Can I call you Dunedinites? No, that's probably yeah. Dunedinites. Very loyal. Very loyal people. <laughs> and it's such a beautiful song. I read his um, book last year. Dead people I've known, and it was just fantastic. I actually went and watched them at the Writers' Festival as well. It was just great. Oh, nice. Well, good on you for supporting a local pal. Um, where would you love to go in New Zealand that you haven't been? Stewart Island. Yeah. I haven't been there. I don't know if a lot of us have. No. So what? It's, it, it, I think some of the challenges getting across the five zero straight, to be honest, <laughs> which can be quite gnarly. So I. I I think it would be wonderful I'm too. I'm quite good on the boat. I'm fine. Oh, are you? Yep, yep. I'm all good. I've heard it's. I mean, I'm. I'm good on boat. I've. I've just heard that it's bloody gnarly, is all. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, that's a great choice. Um, <laughs> and then I'd love you to finish this sentence. I'm most happy in New Zealand when I am. Um, driving down the High Cliff Road on the Targo Peninsula, looking out to Harawika and out to the pyramids and that amazing Colin McCann-esque landscape that I always pull up over at a certain lamppost on the way and stop and look and take a photo and know I'm on my way home. How often do you get back down there? Not enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Used to be much more regularly, but um, at the moment I'm only getting down, you know, a few times a year. But, yeah, soon I'll be going home again. Awesome. Hey, well, look, thank you so much for coming on Kiwi Yarns. You're a wonderful woman and I, I love your energy and, and your passion for f- – Oh, God, I'm going to do it again. Your passion for fashion. (laughs) Oh, God, that's terrible, terrible. (laughs) Thank you so much, Tans. Thank you. All right, that was Kiwi Yarns, everyone. We'll see you next week.